Clayton, it's an honor to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Doing well, Max. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. To the listeners who may not know, Clayton Young was an eight-time All-American and NCAA 10K champion during his time at BYU. He currently runs professionally representing ASICs, working as well as working towards his master's degree in mechanical engineering, all while being a father. Uh, he recently won his first national title at the USATF 15 kilometer championships. Clayton, how does that sound? It's a, it's a new title to the list and uh, let's hope there's more to be added. But yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for your kind words. That's uh, mm-hmm. it's a great intro. So let's start with uh, your story of how you got into running. When did you start and why did you start running? Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny. My story goes a long way back, actually starting in fifth grade. Um, my elementary school had this interesting program called the mileage run program where every Friday during lunch recess, which is about 30 minutes long, um, there was like a classroom competition where the kids could go out to the soccer field and they could run one lap around the soccer field and every lap that they ran, they would get a ticket. And you would eventually like collect all these tickets throughout the day or at least through lunch recess. And then at the end of lunch recess, you'd run in and give them to your teacher and uh, they would tally up all the tickets and each ticket was about a quarter mile. And uh, whatever class had run the most miles uh, won that week. Um, And so I had a friend that was actually in the opposing class and him and I just like went head to head. Uh, We ran as much as we could every Friday during lunch recess. And that's where I found out that I was actually pretty good at it. And uh, yeah, me and my friend over that time, I mean, it's only about 30 minutes, but we ended up running about 100 miles throughout the whole year, um, which was kind of fun to say. And uh, that's when I found out I was really good. But um, like most people, I also played a lot of different sports as well, played soccer, baseball, basketball as well during that time. Um, but it wasn't until uh, you know junior high that I, I really started kind of focusing in a little bit more on distance running. How did your high school career go in terms of your success in running? Yeah, it kind of was by happenstance. You know, my elementary school is in Washington State, and it was just this random elementary school in Yakima, Washington. But right before my freshman year of high school, we moved to Utah. And my parents were kind of trying to decide which high school to go to. Um, and just by happenstance, we chose to go to American Fork High School. And uh, American Fork High School, back when I first joined their team, um, they were a state relevant team. I think they'd taken second at state a couple of times, but they weren't the American Fork that people speak of today. Um, They weren't a national caliber team. They hadn't won state yet. And so when I first joined, it just was like, ah, yeah, I'm gonna be part of this cross country team. Um, But throughout my years, uh, American Fork became what people know American Fork to be now. And, and uh, so my freshman year, we took second at state. My sophomore st- year, we finally won state and we took fourth at NX regionals, NXR. And then uh, after that, it was kind of history. Um, my, so my, so- sorry, my freshman year, we took fourth at NXR. And then my sophomore year, we took the, the title at NXR. And so it, I went to NXN three years in a row, sophomore, junior, senior year with my team. Uh, and that was pretty exciting. And I got better every year as I was at NXN. And then um, on the individual level, um, I won the state cross country title my soft, or my junior year, uh, but was injured my senior year after cross country. So I 
didn't have any more titles after that, but uh, was in a good, good program. And, and uh, I think the success of my team is really what made, I think, each of us as individuals better. And so a lot of us ended up running at D1 College and, and I chose to go to BYU. So after your successful career in high school, why did you decide to attend BYU? And also, why did you decide to uh, major in mechanical engineering? Yeah, so BYU is, as most people know, is a private school. Um, it's owned by the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, I'm a member of that church. And so there was definitely that pull uh, of going to BYU because of you know, it has a lot of the same standards and, and beliefs that I have. Um, you don't have to be a member to come to, the, to BYU, but uh, the grand majority are. And we just have, I guess, really high standards of, of living a chaste and a clean and a moral uh, life. Um, but beyond that, I mean, obviously, I was good at running in high school and I wanted to continue that dream. And so um, luckily, those two dreams kind of aligned where BYU also was a pretty dominant powerhouse when it came to distance running. Uh, I know they'd been on the podium a couple of years prior and they were the dominant school in the state. And so I was recruited by other schools as well. Um, some Colorado schools, some other schools in Utah. And, um, but ultimately it, it really came down to, um, you know, what, what school is going to give me the best team environment. So that was one big thing. And, and I knew BYU had a good team environment. What, what school had like, you know, my beliefs and, and obviously BYU uh, had that. Um, and then also what school had my major? There were a lot of other schools I was looking at, even in Utah and Colorado that, you know, checked the boxes for those first two. Um, they still had a great environment and, and they had a great running team, but not all of them had my major. Um, and I decided in high school that I really kind of had an inclination towards engineering in general. I, I was the kid that loved, you know, Legos and computers and connects and all that jazz. And, and, uh, you know, I wasn't a super nerd, but I loved physics and all that jazz as well. And, kind of had a good mind when it came to math. And so I knew that that's kind of what I wanted. And so BYU had a great mechanical engineering program. Um, and so that's why I decided to go to BYU. Um, and I think also one more big thing is that it, BYU is, was very, very team oriented. I had ran really good at American Fork because of the team that I was a part of. And I wanted to be part of a team that also had that success. Um, you know, there's a lot of standouts in running. You know, you have that one kid in the middle of nowhere that has no team at all that can run really, really well. Um, and that happens on the collegiate level as well. But for me, I found that I, I thrived the most in a team environment. And so that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how I decided uh, to come to BYU and, and why I chose mechanical engineering. So mechanical engineering sounds like a very challenging field of study. So how did you balance it while training and competing at such high level? And you, how do you still balance it while training and competing at such a high level? <laughs> yeah, yeah, good question. It is, it is no joke. It is a balance for sure. I mean, every, every college major is hard, but, you know, maybe I'm just biased, but mechanical engineering is pretty tough. I'm not going to lie. Uh, there's just, there's a lot of material. Mechanical engineering is a very broad area of study. And so you cover everything from, you know, electronics to manufacturing processes to thermodynamics to physics and uh, that just goes on and on there's a lot to cover um so i think for me personally um you know i have always thrived when there's balance in my life um you know even in high school i did you know 
I did good in the classroom and I did good on the track. And so, it, and I think it was that balance that helped me succeed in both. And I kind of have to be careful there because, you know, you don't want to spread yourself too thin, but at the same time, you know, I feel like we can get burnt out if we just focus on running or if we just focus on engineering. Um, and so finding that balance is really where I think it helps. So in college, I mean, it really came down to time management. You know, there's not a lot of free time uh, when you're when you're running 70, 80, 90, 100 miles a week and then also doing weightlifting and doing your recovery and time in the training room and, and abs and all that jazz. Uh, and it's no joke either when you're taking 15 credits of, of pretty thick classes. And so it's all about just time management. Um, you know, cutting out all the excess fluff um, and focusing on what's most important. Um, nothing you haven't heard before. Um, but also, I think there is also a balance of like, you know, the difference between an A minus and an A is maybe 80% work, whereas the difference between a B plus and an A minus is only 20% work. And so, you know, it's kind of maximizing, you know, uh, you don't have to be nitty gritty and everything either. Um, I did good in college and, and, you know, it was good enough for me to be able to get into the master's program here and to have that fully funded. And so I did do well in school, but I also knew uh, kind of what mattered most, you know, sometimes you can spend too much time on things that only give you this much return. And that's the mm -hmm. same in running. Too. You can spend so much time, you know, researching to death how to do the perfect plyometric, but really what you need to do is you need to focus on running more miles and running faster. Um, so it's focusing on what matters most, I think, is also a big part of that. Yeah, absolutely. So how does your career kind of out at BYU? Uh, were you overall pretty happy with it? And what were some of the ups and downs along the way that you de dealt with? Yeah, I mean, just like anything in life, my career at BYU definitely had its ups and downs. I think, uh, you know, by and large, I... I seem to get better every year, but it, it, it uh, I don't know. I definitely had some downs. Um, you know, my freshman year, it was all about making it to the regional level and track. And then uh, my sophomore year is all about making it from the regional level to the national level. And I finally did that. And then my junior year was all about not only going to nationals, but trying to place as an all American. And then my senior year, it was all about being in that top three at, at nationals and, and, uh, and so that's kind of the progress that I took. It was pretty linear. Um, but like, I, I remember my junior year, one of the, the hardest times um, in my running career was, you know, we, we got to nationals my sophomore year. So junior year, I, I really wanted to make a statement. You know, I'd been on the national scene before and I wanted, you know, like anybody, you want to win the race. You want to be that top three. You want to be an All-American. And um, I remember going into the NCAA 10K and, at Eugene and Hayward Field and uh, for the 10K and, getting on the line with my teammates, Rory Linkletter and Connor McMillan and, uh, and Connor Mance. And it just, it was a terrible day. And as many of the listeners probably remember, uh, BYU took the last three spots in that race um, by a landslide. In fact, like halfway through the race, we were so just uh, shook by the race. And, and I, we never really figured out what was the matter, whether it was food poisoning or what, or maybe it was just an off day. Uh, but you know, halfway through the race, we just pretty much threw in the towel, which means we had to finish the race because we were still competing in the 5k. But we also wanted to conserve our energy for the 5k. And it's kind of a pansy way to run. But when you really have that bad of a day, uh, it's kind of what you're left to. And so imagine running endless laps. I mean, a 10k is 25, mile, 25 laps on the track. 
Uh, but doing that in front of friends and family and fans at the biggest stadium in track and field. And it's just absolutely demoralizing. Like you're just jogging around, not even uh, racing at this point. You feel terrible and you're, you're not even running that fast. And, and that was a pretty low point for me. I mean, I took, yeah, second to dead last and uh, it just, yeah, it was pretty bad. But I mean, I came back for the 5K okay. Um, I think I finished as an All-American that day. Um, but, you know, I think it's that kind of that low that propelled me into the success that I had, um, you know, going into my senior year and that mm-hmm. ultimately culminated in, in me winning the NCAA 10K championship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds really tough. I, the way you explained that, that, that sounds really horrible. Yeah. Um, but if I did my due diligence correctly, you served a mission in North Carolina, correct? That's right. So yeah. what was what was that experience like and how has it impacted you uh, as a runner and, you know, outside of running as well? Yeah, I mean, uh, for those that don't know, a mission is a two-year period uh, for those mostly male members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, where they don't get to choose, but they're assigned to an area to pretty much serve the people and to teach about Jesus Christ. And... Um, so I was assigned to North Carolina stateside, which is pretty rare. I think, uh, you know, some of my other teammates went to Uganda, to Mexico, to Peru, to all over the world. Uh, but I got assigned to North Carolina and uh, speaking Spanish, though. Um, and that's pretty daunting, especially as a, you know, someone that is coming off a pretty good high school career. Uh, you have all your scholarship lined up. You have everything going for you. You're fit. You're fast. And on the mission, um, it's a very structured schedule. Um, It's a lot of service work. It's a lot of studying. And um, it's just a lot of of just being out and about as well. And there's little to no time for exercise. And so uh, we are assigned 30 minutes every morning at 630 in the morning for exercise. And uh, another key rule, as, as many listeners probably know, is you also always have to stay with your companion. So if you want to exercise, but your companion kind of doesn't really want to, you're pretty limited, um, which means you're kind of running either back and forth or you're, you're just in the apartment doing push-ups and sit-ups or jump rope. Um, but you're really limited in how much exercise you can do. And so that's pretty daunting uh, for someone that's like, a, you know, a runner that's used to running 50 miles a week to pretty much going to nothing. Um, and so on my mission, I, I gained uh, 25, 30 pounds, um, pretty quick in my mission within three months of my mission. Um, and really kind of had to forget running for a while. Um, and you know, it was always in the back of my mind and there was a lot of, you know, anxiety and, and nervousness about like, man, will I ever run again at the level that I did? Um, and you know, kind of a, an identity crisis more or less, but by and large, I knew that if I had given that time, you know, to the Lord and to the people that, um, it would come like if, if I, if I cared about running that much, the Lord cares that much about me and, and really my desires to run. And so, um, I knew it would all work out and, you know, there were some doubts, but it it eventually did work out. Two years is a long time to be at pretty much not really running at all. Uh, how was it, do you, how quickly did you get back in shape? Uh, once you're back competing with BYU and also since that's such a common thing for BYU student athletes how how do you also see it in your maybe your teammates how do you see them coming back and you know coming to this having this great success being national champions stuff like that 
Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's different for every athlete, as I'm sure, as I'm sure you know. Um, my experience personally, uh, so I left October 2012. I got back November 2014. Um, and then I started school in January at BYU. Um, and I went straight out on my mission. Uh, some, some athletes decide to serve or to uh, compete a year and then go straight out on their mission. And some decide to go straight out on their mission. And I decided to go straight out. Um, so when I got back in November, I mean, that's when I really first started running again. I mean, I'd ran a little bit on my mission, but like I said, very, very little and, and nothing consistent. Um, so the good thing is that Coach Eyestone, the coach at BYU, you know, he's had hundreds of return missionaries that he's worked with. Um, and so he's all about, you know, slow progress. And he usually gives you about a year's time to kind of get back into shape. Uh, for me, my process was a little bit quicker just because I'm, I'm a pretty determined guy. And so, like I said, started in January and I think maybe like four or five weeks off the mission, I ran like a 4.26 mile at the BYU indoor track. So not the most ideal track at altitude, um, but like, you know, high 420s, low 430s, I was okay with it. Like it definitely hurt a lot. You know, my PR in high school was a 416. And so I wasn't that close to it, but you know, it was a good trend, you know, six to eight weeks off the mission. Um, and then that summer, it, you know, or I guess that track season, I raced unattached, raced in some steeplechases and really kind of was just burnt out by the end of the season. So for me, it, it honestly didn't go very well at the beginning. Um, I had just pushed myself too hard, too fast and wasn't really patient with the process of getting off my mission. Um, but by that summer, I kind of felt better. And, you know, we kind of had a long base building break, uh, which was nice because, you know, that indoor outdoor track season right off my mission, I pretty much had no base at all. Um, so for me, it eventually worked out. And I think I got burnt out that cross country season as well, because I was still building my base. But by my, my uh, red shirt sophomore year, I felt pretty good to go. Um, and it kind of just progressed from there. And I, I never really looked back on my mission um, from a negative standpoint. But, you know, like you said, there are other runners that just don't make it. Um, everybody's different. And, and, you know, your desires change on the mission. When you're, when you're serving uh, the people for two years, like sometimes your passion for running just changes. You just don't love it as much. And so I've seen a lot of great athletes that I knew in high school that just never really made it back after, um, after their mission. Uh, one great example is uh, Brad Nye. Brad Nye is a name that you know, people back in 2012 would, would, you know, know very, very well. Brad and I was the last person to be Ed Chez actually uh, in the dream mile um, back in 2012. And he was the indoor national champion. Uh, Brad and I was a really, really good runner out of Utah. And uh, he ran a little bit for BYU before his mission, left on his mission, came back and he really tried to get back into it, but never, just never did. Uh, you're talking about a guy that was a national champion in uh, high school that just never really panned out. Um, and, and that's just one example. I've seen maybe half a dozen to 10 guys that just, you know, were stellar guys, you know, sub nine guys in high school, you know, four, 10 guys in, in uh, high school that just never really panned out. And so it kind of is a hit or miss. And so that's why I kind of argue that, you know, while the mission is, um, you know, there's a lot of discussion out there of like, okay, is the mission an, an advantage or a disadvantage? And, and really, I think it's both. 
I think for some people, it really does help them out, um, both from a, a mental maturity standpoint and from a physical maturity standpoint. But uh, others, it just absolutely kills the dream. And um, I think while the mission is the priority, um, yeah, it is kind of sad to see some guys that just never really find their love for running once again. Mm -hmm. So going back to 2019, when you won the NCAA 10K Outdoor yeah. Championships, what did this mean for you? And going into it, was your goal to win? And also, uh, your teammates, Connor McMillan and Connor Mance, finished third and fourth, respectively. What was that like having your teammates, you know, right there? Yeah. Um, going into that 10K, there was a lot of maybe anxiety from the previous year, right? We had we had gone in my junior year ready to dominate, and we took the last three spots in the NCAA. Mm -hmm. um, my senior year, there was a little bit of anxiety for that, is for sure. Um, but you know, our our races up to that point had been some of the best races we've ever had. Some big time PRs in the 10K and the 5K, and we were we were going into it with Connor Mance and Connor McMillan and I with the top three fastest times in the NCAA. And that doesn't mean very much in the 10K because sometimes some people just are just getting the qualifier, you know, just moving on to the next round, nothing big, but you know, that did give us a little bit of confidence. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with those guys in workouts in the sauna and other things. And I just kind of had this feeling that one of us was going to win it. And so while it wasn't my blatant goal to win it, um, it definitely wasn't outside my mind either. And uh, I kind of more had the idea of like, you know, one of us is going to win it. And um, so for sure it was a goal, but I, I don't know. Well, it, it definitely was a little bit of a surprise as well. Um, yeah. Well, I forgot your other question. How did it feel to have your teammates finish third and fourth respectively yeah. come right behind you? Yeah, I mean, that was, that was incredible. I mean, it, it definitely shows that I think any of us could have won any other day. I mean, I definitely did close well and I think, uh, you know, it was a pretty dominant last 400, but by and large, like I said, I think any other day, one of my teammates could have taken it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and they were super gracious about it. I mean, they were as happy for me as I was for myself and as I was for them. And so to go from the last three dead last spots to one, three, four, I mean, that is not only incredible in terms of like just that day, but in, in NCAA history, I don't know if, if three teammates have really done that in the past either um, from the same school. And it just was really cool as well to kind of see that chain of command, you know, Connor McMillan and, and myself are, uh, we're the same eligibility wise. Connor McMillan didn't serve a mission. And so he is two years younger than me. He did go to American Fork. Um, and so we'd known each other for quite a long time, but eligibility wise, we're the same. Um, but to see that, that mantle kind of passed down to Connor Mance, right. And, and we've kind of seen what he's done with that now, uh, was really, really cool. And, uh, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be doing uh, this this coming track season. Yeah, so Connor Mann's recently like won the NCAA Cross Country Championship, the individual title, and that course looked brutal. Um, just I would not be. It was like one of those races where I just it just looked like some sometimes you see a race and you're like, oh, I wish I was in this. You know, this looks these guys look so smooth. That was one of those races you just see people like falling down like crawling like in the middle of the race you know you saw like these women just lying on in the middle of the course like 
Um, so he won that title by like 20 seconds or something. Yeah. So uh, what was your reaction to his performance? Yeah, I, it was, I was, I was so happy for him. I mean, he, it's been a long time coming and he's really deserved that. Um, I know nobody that works quite as hard as Connor Mance, both when he's healthy and unhealthy. I mean, the, the kid tra- cross trains like an animal. He's had ups and downs with injuries. Um, but one thing stays consistent and that's his work ethic. And you can see that in every race that he runs. Um, I think like most people, I was very worried when Connor Mance, you know, went with Kip two and then got dropped by Kip two. And, uh, you know, Connor Mance says that maybe it was a little bit more of his strategy that he noticed that Kip two was going maybe too fast and, and maybe intentionally fell off the pace. But I don't know, to me and to most everybody else, it looked like he just got straight up dropped. And so I think we were all worried. And at that point, I kind of felt like, you know what? Um, good on Mance for going with Wesley Kip too. And um, that's a gutsy move. Um, but, you know, he'll settle for top 10. He'll still pull it in for the team. And, you know, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a good try. But then to see him come back that latter half um, to really battle back with Walshu um, and to work together to eventually catch, catch Kip too. And then, yeah, drop my 20 seconds. That was, that was just mind blowing. Even for me, um, somebody that trains with him every day of the week, you know, I know his fitness and I know his strength and I know he's one gutsy guy. Like, let me tell you, I, I have been pulled through the ringer more times than anybody by Connor Mance, but um, it really does say something when a runner can quote unquote die and then come back and, and, and win the thing. Um, runners don't come back. Uh, in my experience, in every road race I've ran and every track race I've ran, when I'm done, I'm done. And there's no way I'm really coming back. And so for Connor Mance to, to more or less die and then come back, I, I, that was mind blowing to me. I, I was so impressed um, and uh, really, really happy for him. And, and also Wild Shoot that took second. I, I've kind of known the guy ever since he led the 10K back in 2019 when I won. And, and just for him to, to, to beat Kip too as well, uh, brought a smile to my face. Um, mad props to Kip too. I mean, he definitely is a dominant force and, and I love how gutsy he races, uh, but it was really cool to see Wild Shoot get him as well. Yeah. So when did you really uh, think that in the in the middle of a race that Connor Mance was was done, or because I kind of thought you know he was just holding back. Um, what was what else was I gonna say? I yeah. I, just sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I I think you're. It, I I've just seen it too often. Like mm-hmm. people don't come back after going out too hard, especially on that course. Like I. It just, it just seemed like another feat to me that, mm-hmm. uh, so while I didn't see him dying completely, like I said, like I said, I think he would have been able to hold on to top 10 or top five. Um, but it, it, I just, it, it was really hard for me to imagine him catching Kip two because Kip two was still looking really good. And then, especially with how Kip two ran that 5k, um, in indoor nationals, it was just like, it just didn't seem possible. Um, mm-hmm. so, deny that was pretty incredible yeah so what's your current living and training situation looking like yeah so um after graduating college you know obviously i signed a pro contract with ASIC and i'm an asics elite athlete and that was pretty calculated as well i mean there's a lot of training groups out there and i wanted to keep all my options open but ultimately i decided to stay here uh, in provo utah and train with the byu team and 
and training with my training partners that I currently have, such as Connor McMillan, who also graduated, uh, Jared Ward, who's a, an Olympian in the marathon, and then to stay uh, being coached by my my uh, college coach, Coach Eyestone, who's a two-time Olympian as well, um, and dominant 10K runner as well. So uh, I just had a lot of good things going for me um, here at BYU, uh, along with my master's degree. And and so, yep, just training here with my family, families close by, and, uh, you know, doing my master's in between runs, and mm -hmm. it's uh, treating me pretty well. Yeah, so you mentioned you turned pro with ASICs after graduating. Was your goal always to run professionally or did you just take the opportunity when it presented itself? Yeah, to be honest, I, I've kind of, in every situation I've been, I've always kind of looked at the next level. Like, you know, when I was in high school, I really was, you know, focused on becoming a D1 athlete um, just because, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm smart. I can, I can go be an engineer any time of my life. Uh, so if I'm going to spend time investing in running, I really want to be able to compete at the highest level. And so, like I said, in high school, it was all about, okay, if I'm running, competing in high school, I want to kind of have my eyes on the D1 level. And then once I was at, on the D1 level, I was like, okay, I want to become a national champion. And then, and then you know, also, especially towards my, the, the end of my senior year, it was kind of this moment of, you know, if I'm really pouring this much time into being a runner instead of an engineer, uh, I want to give myself the best opportunity to become a professional runner. And I knew those chances were really slim and, and, you know, there was definitely a little bit of luck involved, but ultimately uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it outside my mind and, and kind of, you know, the next step of that for me right now is like, okay, now that I'm a professional runner, what can I do to get, make an Olympic team? You know, that's really the next goal for me. Um, and then once I make an Olympic team, you know, what can I do to, to medal? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's not going all the way to getting a, an Olympic gold medal, but it's just one step at a time. Um, so like I said, my next goal is, is to make an Olympic team or a U.S. team. Um, so that's, that's kind of the progression I've taken. Uh -huh. So recently you've been having kind of rough season on the track and then you come in win the USATF 15 kilometer championships. So first of all, why, what was the reasoning behind maybe having not the best season recently as since you turned pro and you know, what did it mean to uh, win the USATF 15 kilometer championships? Yeah, great questions. Um, I think, uh, you know, running is pretty interesting. Sometimes we don't know all the answers and that's kind of how life is too. Uh, we think we know all the answers when it comes to uh, why we got a bad grade or why we our relationships with others are not going well or this or that and the other. But um it's kind of the same with running. Sometimes we don't have all the answers. And so right now it's kind of a little bit easier to look back and maybe find some of those answers, but I don't think I know all of the answers of why my, my last six months on the track has been so terrible. But uh, one big part of it um, has been just health in general. Um, I, you know, at BYU, we got frequent blood checks to make sure everything was checking out okay. But um, since being a pro, I hadn't had blood work done in a while, which kind of was my fault. So after racing the 3K at UW at the University of Washington, you know, I finally decided to kind of open that door. It's a door that you don't want to open often because if your blood work comes back okay, you kind of think you're a head case. And so I I kind of had to be careful with that. And so I uh, decided to get my blood work done and my iron came back the lowest it's ever had. 
um, the lowest it's ever been. And, um, you know, I've always had low iron throughout college and um, I've kind of always dealt with it and kind of shrugged it off. You know, there wasn't much I could do about it, but um, this time it was really low. And so obviously, you know, kind of upped my supplement and then had to take some other steps with uh, iron IVs to be able to get my iron back up to another, a new level. And so I think that's definitely helped a lot, uh, both the placebo effect and, and the actual effect of it. Um, but that's been a big part of it. And then um, I think another big part of it is just maybe just the progression of my training. Um, it definitely helps, you know, I've, because I was, had gone from the track to the roads and then back to the track, going back to the track was a little bit tough for me in terms of getting used to spikes again. And so I'm still just trying to get used to spikes again. I, I had kind of been injured after the Olympic trials marathon back in February of 2020. And so I kind of stayed away from spikes and uh, minimalist shoes for a while. And I think that kind of hurt me. And so I'm, I'm still trying to get used to, you know, getting on a pair of spikes and rolling. And so going into that 15K champs with, you know, the blood work that I'd done and, and the changes in my iron, and then also being able to wear the new ASICS uh, Metaspeed Sky, uh, which is a shoe that is absolutely incredible. That isn't a track spike, but more of a super shoe that competes with the Vaporfly. I think that helped quite a bit as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's all a balance, both the, the mental and the physical, uh, you know, one of the, my favorite sayings of, of ASICs and really what it means for is, is, you know, having a sound mind and a sound body and, and really you're only your best when you kind of combine those two. Um, so once, once you kind of take care of those answers, uh, your mind is at peace and your body follows, follows right along. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the new ASICs super shoe. Yeah, I forgot what it's called, but talk a little bit about that. Um, what is it like and how much have you tried it and would you recommend it to anybody? Yeah, good question. Um, so I've been involved with the development of a lot of ASIC shoes. Uh, I was in the development of the Meta Racer, which was their old marathon shoe. And then um, the Magic Speed, which is kind of another offset of the newest shoe that, that ASICs just dropped yesterday. Uh, which is called the Metaspeed Sky. Um, and uh, it's a phenomenal shoe. Um, you know, just to give my background a little bit, you know, BYU is a Nike school. And so I raced primarily in Nike shoes. And uh, I won the NCAA 10K in a pair of Vaporflies back before they were banned. Um, and so I absolutely love that shoe. And that was both because I believed in the shoe and how quick it was in, in the 10K. But then also I had the 5K two days later. And so it was both also a recovery standpoint um but yeah so obviously the vaporfly has been dominating the industry for the last five six years and uh honestly nobody has been able to really compete in my opinion um so when i got the metaspeed sky i got the metaspeed sky uh the final version or the prototype version that i was going to wear for the 15k champs the tuesday before i raced so i raced on saturday got it on tuesday um or got it on tuesday raced on saturday i should say and uh, it definitely was like, whoa, this is, a, this is a stack height that I haven't seen before in an ASIC shoe. And this is probably one of the lightest, you know, super shoes that I've ever held. And uh, putting it on and it like, it, it immediately brought a smile to my face. I mean, just walking around in it and, uh, you know, doing high knees and, and everything, it just, it really brought back, honestly, a lot of nostalgia to the Vaporfly. And, you know, it's been since 2019 since I've worn the Vaporfly because I am an ASICS athlete. 
Uh, but it was like, okay, now we're competing. And not only are we competing, but maybe we have something that's better than I remember. Uh, you know, leave it to the reviewers to make those decisions. But uh, I think it definitely competes with the Nike Vaporfly. And not only that, but it, it might take the cake at this point. Um, and so I was, I was absolutely thrilled going into the 15K champs with that shoe. Um, it's kind of funny, like you, you're with all the pro athletes and everybody finishes their warm up and they're all busting out their, their super shoes and their brands and their loyalties. And, and uh, so I busted mine out and I just was like, yeah, this is my weapon uh, that I'm bringing to the, to the start line today. And I was pretty happy about it. Um, and throughout the race, it was just incredible. Um, you know, got out well and uh, kind of like what I maybe mentioned in one of my recent Instagram posts was about how, you know, you get going in a race and and in a race to me personally, like my best races are when I'm not thinking about my shoes. I'm not thinking about my spikes or my shoes. And, um, and so I got in that race and I found in the middle of the race that I hadn't been even thinking about what everybody else is wearing and what I was wearing. Uh, that it just was, was so natural. I was keeping up. I was, I felt good. I felt confident. And uh, I think that's how racing should be. Like I, I love the new technology, but I, I hate the discrepancy in shoes mm -hmm. um, to make it more of an equal playing field uh, just makes me smile because yeah, there is, it's more about, you know, who is the fittest guy on the, on the line and who's got mm -hmm. the, uh, the most guts. Um, and I really like that. So mm -hmm. a phenomenal shoe. I'd absolutely recommend it. And I'm not just saying that as an ASICS athlete, it really, <laughs> incredible shoe um super light super bouncy super responsive um good protection so mm -hmm. go, go snag your self-repair mm -hmm. for sure so uh so you're a father how do you so what is just talk about that like what is it like and you have so many other things going on in your life running professionally and working towards your master's degree how do you balance all that uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, I don't realize how crazy it is until I, until I start looking at these other professional athletes. Uh, I, you know, there are other people in my situation like uh, Marty Hare and Jared Ward that also have families um, that also have kids and, and they do it as well. But there we're kind of few and far between. Um, the life of a pro runner is pretty demanding when it comes to just um, just your lifestyle. Um, you know, sleep, diet, nutrition. Um, it's pretty um, individual. Travel. Yeah, travel. Uh, it's pretty individual. And it's also pretty um, like selfish. It's a very selfish lifestyle, more or less. You're just always working on making yourself the best athlete. Um, and sometimes I wonder if that's really the key to the success of some of these other athletes. But by and large, and kind of like what I said earlier, I think for me, balance has been key. Uh, and so finding that balance you know, between mechanical engineering, between running and between family is huge. And, uh, you know, I've always considered myself a family man. Um, I'm number five of six siblings in my family. And I really love the night tight knit group of my family. And, and I also would say that I'm kind of on what I call the Jared Ward plan. And, and Jared Ward, my teammate, that's an Olympian in the marathon, he kind of showed me that it was possible, right? That, uh, you know, he has uh, four kids, one on the way, and, um, you know, he had had, he had had, and will have success at the highest level. And so why can't I, and then I also look at my coach, coach Eystone, coach Eystone had six girls while he was running pro. Wow. Um, um, and that's kind of a weird anomaly as well, but I just, I just felt like, why not? You know, uh, mm -hmm. there's no, 
no need to wait. And so being a father is challenging. I'm not going to lie. Uh, our first girl, Lucy, you know, I think it was a little bit easier because Ashley, my wife could, uh, you know, handle most everything. But with our second daughter, Jenna, I definitely had to, you know, get some skin in the game. And so I, I'm usually on Lucy duty while Ashley is on Jenna duty. And uh, I definitely have to help out and chip in quite a bit more. Um, but I think it's that balance and that, you know, life perspective that really has helped me out more than anything. So while it is a sacrifice, uh, just as much for them as it is for me, I think ultimately it's a blessing in disguise and uh, just, you know, makes you have a, a bigger picture when it comes to life. Mm -hmm. So in going back to 2019 again, uh, the BYU men won the cross country national title. They dethroned Northern Arizona University. What was your reaction to this? Like, was it expected? And how did you feel? <laughs> uh, I was, I was ecstatic. Like I was absolutely so ecstatic when they won. Uh, so, so happy. Um, did I think they were going to win? Honestly, no. Um, you know, BYU has had some great teams over the years. Arguably my senior year was probably one of the most dominant teams that BYU has ever had when you put Rory Linkletter, myself, Connor McMillan, Connor Mance, like that is, and then Danny Carney, like that is a dominant team. That is, that is a team that maybe should have won over all these other teams, um, but it just didn't happen. Um, and so that 2019 team, this is the year after I graduated, but I was still very associated with all their training. I did all their workouts with them. I, I knew how good they were. Um, I think, you know, they might not have been the, the best team on paper and physically, uh, but they were the best team mentally by far. And, and on a snowy, muddy uh, Terre Haute day uh, in Indiana, it just, it just showed through. And so uh, one of the phrases that we kind of really adopted that year, and even going into the 10K when I won on the track, is that... Uh, is the phrase that maybe some of you guys have heard called ham and eggers. We're just a bunch of ham and eggers, meaning for breakfast, we don't need avocado toast. We don't need the fancy stuff. We don't need to do anything special. We just need, we need ham and eggs. Like we're just, we're just out here, blue collar workers, hard workers. And uh, we just go and get what we want. You know, it's not, uh, you know, BYU is, does get some great recruits, but by and large, we're just, uh, we're just, like I said, blue collar athletes. We don't get the top recruits all the time. Um, and we have maybe a little bit more lately, but uh, I think that's what made that 2019 so good is that beyond Connor Mance, it was just a bunch of, you know, ham and eggers, a bunch of guys that just knew how to work hard that uh, were mentally tough and they really didn't care about their individual glory. They just cared about the team and uh, their, their individual egos didn't get in the way. Um, and, you know, Connor Mance, while he is dominant and he knows he's fast, he, he's also one of the biggest team players I know. And so uh, his ego didn't get in the way. And I think he just led them to a Hammenager title. Um, it, it was just really, really cool to see. And um, it, I do have to say, I am a little bit, I, I'm so jealous that they did it the year that I wasn't there, right? Like, you know, during my career, I went, I think we took 12th my freshman year and then we took sixth, third, second, my senior year. And then they won it um, the year after. Um, so I, I definitely was a little bit sad about that, but at the same time, like, yeah, maybe I take a little bit of credit for that. Like, like at last, uh, you know, the culture that we had been building for so long finally culminated in success. And, you know, that definitely made it hard this year when they totally tanked and, and Brandon Garnica collapsed with 
500 meters to go and we ended up taking sixth or seventh place, but um, I know they'll be back on top and, and they'll be back in the mix uh, these next couple of years. So I'm not too worried, but uh, it's a good thing coming. Mm -hmm. What are your goals for the rest of 2021? And also what are your long-term goals in terms of your running career? Yeah, short-term goals, um, kind of like I mentioned, right now it's all about making an Olympic team for me as a pro athlete. And so short-term goals is to hit the Olympic standard in the 10K, uh, which is 27-28 for 10K. Uh, that's that's the big time goal right now. Um, and then obviously show up at the trials and try to be top three uh, in the 10K. I might do the 5K afterwards, but that's kind of to be determined at this point. Um, I really don't know. Long-term goals, uh, this fall, I hope to run a fall marathon and hit the Olympic standard in the marathon. You know, the marathon has already come and gone for this Olympic cycle, but I feel like I have a good chance at hitting the Olympic standard. Um, and I think that'll just put me in a different level. And so breaking 210.30, 2.11 in the marathon this fall, whether that's Chicago, Boston, or New York, um, I'm really excited about that. And then long, long-term goal, um, really it's all about longevity in this sport, you know. I'm pretty young when it comes to, well, I'm kind of maybe old for the track, I'm kind of young for the roads. And so, uh, you know, I probably have a good 10 years left of marathoning. And so long-term goal is to, you know, get to the marathon and, and give a good go at it and, and make some Olympic teams and, and uh, make American distance running uh, great again. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, Clayton, thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. Where can the listeners find you on social media? Yeah, Max, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you can find me on Instagram or Strava. Just search my name. Uh, Strava handle is underscore Clayton underscore Young underscore. And Strava, I'm sure you can find me, Clayton Young. Um, convince me and maybe I'll start a YouTube or a Twitter, but uh, I'm not on there yet. Uh, don't have enough clout yet or swag, but we'll get there. Um, but yeah, that's where you can find me and and uh, let me know if you have any questions or anything else I can help out with. But once again, Max, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, well, you know, one more question since you mentioned it. What do you think about all the new uh, runners getting on social media, starting YouTube channels, and bringing social media into the running world? What do you think about it? You know, as, as a pro athlete, when I see uh, the investment that companies have in athletes, um, and what ASICS has done for me, I think it's, it's honestly great. If there's anything that I can do to help ASICS in the bottom line, especially a company that not only, okay, yes, they pay me, but a company that I believe in, like, and I honestly mean that, like I, I initially signed with ASICS and I felt pretty good about it, but the more and more I've been with ASICS, the more and more I've realized how incredible ASICS is as a, as a company and the products that they make and the, and the people that they are, the people that I work with, that they know me, that they know my name. And that's not true for all companies, sadly. Um, you know, as a professional athlete, I've kind of been exposed to some other sponsors and um, with other athletes that I train with, um, maybe not here in Provo, but uh, everywhere else. And, and it's just, it's just sad. It really is. Um, so I'm really, really grateful to be part of ASICS. And so social media, anything I can do to help them out and uh, them to help me out, I absolutely love. I love uh, all the YouTube stuff that's coming out. Uh, my latest favorite is actually Morgan McDonald's channel. I think he does a really great job at, uh, you know, bringing humor um, while still inspiring the younger generation and, and uh, good on him for doing that. I, uh, you know, I raced against him a lot in college 
and obviously he had a devastating kick and I tried to hold on. Um, but it's really cool to see the real side of, of Morgan McDonald, I guess, real side, more or less, um, that he really is, uh, just another dude out there that loves to grind and run. And, um, so I think it's good for the sport. Um, and I hope to maybe get in that field eventually, you know, I love, I love my drone footage that I shoot every now and then. And I love, uh, you know, miking up and, and I have a tons of footage of, of our workouts and things that I've done with, with cameras and stuff, but I just haven't, uh, bridged the gap to get, get the guts enough to put it up on YouTube. Um, but I think it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I love Morgan McDonald's YouTube channel as well. Um, Morgan McDonald, if you're listening, please come on the podcast, uh, (laughs) hopefully soon. Um, so yeah, if you're still listening, thank you for listening and peace.